Father, we thank you that we have the freedom to give you everything. And when we say everything is yours, I really heard and am sensing that God is saying, I want what you think is ugly too. That it's not just that we say all I have is yours and that God just wants all of the perfected and the refined and the attitude of, well, once I get everything straight and once I get everything lined up and once I get everything perfect, then I can give to God. Then I can give myself to God. Then I can give, you know, then I'll, I'll give my life to God or I'll, I'll let him see it. And God is so good that he is saying, I want all of it. Even the stuff that you think is ugly, even the things that you think are so dark, the things that you think are shameful. And God says, I want it all. I want all of that. And a friend of ours years ago said, you don't clean a fish before you catch it. You got to catch the fish, then you clean the fish. And hmm. Uh, as a church, we need to be ready for the stinky fish. Because there are people that want to come in and will come in and are coming in that don't look like you, they don't smell like you, they don't talk like you, and they don't dress like you. We've got to embrace them. Because I wanted somebody to embrace me, right? That's a whole nother deal. We got to let God have our, can we, can we say this? Let God have our prejudices. Ooh, Lord, you're going deep. (laughs) What we think people should look like or what we think they should sound like or talk like. We just got to give them to God. Our job, say this, my job as a Christ follower is to lead people to the lap of the Father. That's my job. It's not your job to clean them up. It's not your job to tell them how to act. It's not your job to tell them what should and shouldn't come out of their mouth. Your job is to lead them to the lap of the Father. And you let God have them. And somebody needs to hear that for somebody that you're close to right now. Let God have them. You can't change them. Somebody needs to say this. I'm not Jesus. (laughs) You can't change them and you can't save them. Your job is to lead them to the father and then let him have them. So for anybody right now that you're praying for someone... Hopefully everybody in here is praying for someone, right? No, but for real, you're praying for somebody that uh, you're really praying for their, for them to have an encounter with God. Not just to come to church, not just to uh, pray a prayer, but you're praying for an encounter with God. Because you can see that there are areas in their life, not in judgment, but you're seeing that there's areas of their life that are not open to God's best because of choices that they're making. So right now, I want you just to get their name on your heart. 
And I want you to just begin to pray for them right now. Just in, within yourself or pray for them. Lift their name up out loud if you want to. If it's the person standing right next to you, you might want to do it kind of quiet. So, Father, we thank you that you love the unlovely because there's no one that is outside of your reach. There is no one that is too far gone and that there is no one that is beyond your power, that your glory and your love, your love never fails. And father, we lift up this person to you. We lift up those people that we're praying for. And we say right now in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, be released to go after them and encounter them. Encounter them in their sleep. Encounter them in their drunkenness. Encounter them in their high. Encounter them in their addiction. Father, we release your presence to come into their space and to overwhelm them with love in such a way that it transforms them from the inside out. And Father, we trust you with them. We trust you with them. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes. Yes, yes. Turn around and tell someone you are lovely. You are lovely. You are lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kevin. Thank you. <sighs> Man, Colin Kelsey, I have to I have to say this. This is one of my favorite stories about uh Kelsey. Uh this was back when we were in the hotel. And I don't remember if Ken called you or if we heard about it the next week. But whatever was being ministered, uh, we did find out that it was because of Darren's message that Kelsey learned what circumcision was. So, you know, if you want your kids educated, we've got the Gen Now Junior High and High School kids in here. So maybe you can have that conversation on the way home. <laughs> anyway, 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 man, it's been so good. Kelsey uh, babysat Rhett for us when he was a little angry at it, huh? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that you were, he's not here this morning, so I can say this. I'm pretty sure you were his first crush. We knew then that he had good taste. We were like, all right, this is going to be good. Okay, okay. So it's been a blessing and an honor to get to um, do ministry with you both. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your journey and uh, having them in our home group, getting to have them in our home. Cole. Is a man of few words, but when Cole speaks, we could all shut our Bibles and like, all right, home group is over because <laughs> Cole comes with deep, profound stuff and you just need to chew on that for a little while. So if you've never uh, talked to Cole, he's leaving town. So you're too late. No, I'm just joking. So. Anyway, well, we're glad that you guys are here this morning. My name's Lynette. If I've never had the opportunity to get to shake your hand or meet you, I hope to get to do that. And we're just thankful that you would consider this to be your home. When we started the church back in uh, 2000, that was our concept was we wanted, if somebody comes to my house, I don't have furniture that you can't put your feet up on 
it's just, we've just never been that way. And so our thing was, you know, we want a church where people feel like they could come in and put their feet up and be at home, feel relaxed and be able to be open with their hearts. And so we're thankful that you are here today. And we have, if you see these young people walking around, these are our young servant leaders and they are doing an amazing job right now. I see them counting. Yeah. Can you guys just tell them how awesome they are? Yeah. Are they the cutest or what? <laughs> All right. So this morning I'm going to jump off. We're going to, uh, if you want to go with me, we're going to start in Proverbs chapter three and, uh, look at your neighbor and say, trust, look at your other neighbor and say, trust. Yes. All right. Proverbs chapter three, and I'm going to start in verse five. I'm reading out of the new King James and it says this trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, if you break this down and look each one of these words up in the Hebrew, a deeper, more expanded, uh, reading of this would go like this. That word trust would break down to be bold and secure in hope in the Lord with all your feelings, emotions, and passions. And do not support yourself by your own intellect in all your ways. Get to know and discover him, God, and he will direct your paths. Look at your neighbor again and say, trust. So when the Bible says to trust the Lord with all your heart, We'll just go really deep into the Hebrew of that. And all means the totality. All means all show enough. That's what all means. Leaving nothing out. He's saying, trust the Lord with all your heart. And the heart in there is he's not leaning on your own understanding, but you trust him with all your heart, your feelings, your emotions, and your passions, holding nothing back. It means that we are to trust God above our feelings, that we're to trust God above our emotion, that we're to trust God even above our past experience, that we trust God more than anything else. Because here's the thing is if we are being led, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He will lead your paths. But here's the deal. If we are being led by our emotion, by our experience and our feelings, what that is doing is we are being led into the future by our past. Because your emotions, your feelings, and your experience are all formed based on what has happened behind you. And if what has happened behind you has been good or bad, if you rely on that to direct your path, you are constantly being led and dictated by your past. And nobody would want that. Nobody would say I would like that. With a picture that I get is like a a snake that is eating its own tail. Led by your feelings and not by the Lord. See, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Both of those words, faith and hope, have their anchor in the future. And both of those words, in the very definition of them, have the strong concept of trust. Both of those words, faith and hope, you cannot have faith and you cannot have hope without the anchor of trust. And both of those are anchored in the future. So when he says to lean not on your own understanding, don't lean on your past, don't lean on your experience, don't lean on your own emotions, because those things will lead you into a continuation of what your past has been. However, if you will allow faith and hope, which are anchored in the future, because we do not have faith for what we already see. It's the evidence of things not seen. So it's the things in the future that we don't see yet. And in order to have faith and hope in what we don't see yet, we have to trust God. Look at your neighbor say trust. So we put our faith and trust in the God of hope above your current circumstances. Whatever that is, whether it's a circumstance that you've created, whether it's a circumstance that you have absolutely no control over whatsoever, there is very little in this life that we actually have total control over. You have complete and total control about what you look to your future with. Whether you allow your future to be dictated and led by your past or whether you allow your future to be dictated By trusting in God. That's one thing you have total control over. There is a account in the Bible. That is a really good demonstration of trust. We're going to look at a couple of those this morning. The first one I want to look at. Is in Matthew chapter 8. And it is the account of the Roman centurion that comes to Jesus. And this Roman centurion has a servant that is back at home that is gravely sick, very, very ill. Now, just to paint a picture, this Roman centurion is a Gentile. He is not a believer in Jesus Christ, according to his uh, people group. They were not Christ followers. And this Roman centurion had, of anyone had more reason to not trust Jesus because that's the culture that he lived in. That was the message that he was being sent. So this Roman centurion comes to Jesus and he asks him if he would heal his servant back home. And Jesus responds to him in Matthew 8 in verse 7. He says this, and Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Say under. Under. That you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under, say under, under, authority. He goes on in verse 13 and it says this. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now that word believed when he said to him, he believed that it was done for him. That word believed in the Greek is trusted. He trusted that it was done for him. Now the centurion said to Jesus, when Jesus says, yeah, I'll come to your house and I'll pray for him. The centurion said to him, not that you should come under my roof. What was he saying? 
Because then he follows it up and he says, because I also am a man under authority. What the centurion was saying is, I am not asking for you to come under my authority. I am asking to come under your authority. Because I understand authority. He said, I also, meaning I see, I recognize, and I trust that you are a man. You, Jesus, are a man under the authority of God. I also am a man under authority. And when he said, I don't want you to come under my authority, I'm asking for you to do something that can only be done by me coming under and trusting the authority that you serve. And as he said that, Jesus marveled at the trust that this man had in the authority that Jesus was covered by. So much so that Jesus didn't even have to go to him. The man believed so much that he didn't need Jesus to go to his house. All he needed to do was say the word. And this centurion trusted in the word that Jesus spoke because he trusted the authority that Jesus was under. Quite some time ago, uh, Darren's pastor back in Oklahoma made the statement, Pastor Willie George from Church on the Move made the statement, and I've never forgotten it. Get under what God put over you so that you can get over what God put under you. That is a complete statement of authority. What he's saying is get under the authority that God has placed over you so that you can get over all that God has placed under your authority through Christ Jesus. So when the centurion speaks to Jesus, he is recognizing the authority that Jesus carries and he is putting himself in a position of being under that authority so that the sickness that had attacked his servant would then come over the sickness and defeat the sickness. Get under what God put over you so that you can get over what God put under you. It's all a matter of authority and trust in putting yourself up under that authority. When we don't trust in God, we place ourselves out of his authority. When we trust in God, she doesn't understand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she says maybe she needs to come to church. We'll invite her. Here is what uh, where there's no trust, there is no submission. And where there is no submission, there is no covering, and where there's no covering, there's no authority. This is something that uh, was really, uh, I, I want to say, I don't know another word, but drilled into Darren and I when we were starting in ministry is how vitally important it is to have a covering, a spiritual covering. 
Number one, our spiritual covering is God. And some people say, well, I have a spiritual covering. My spiritual covering is God. That right there tells me that you are not listening. And if that is all you have, you probably don't have a whole lot of authority either. Because a person who wants to grow in authority will be intentional about placing themselves under a spiritual covering in addition to God. God, my spiritual covering, and me. I have a spiritual covering in my husband. I also have spiritual covering in other ministers that cover us. Because I want to be accountable. And if I'm missing the mark anywhere, I want to know. Because just a small degree of missing the mark in the beginning leads me to a completely different destination the farther I travel. So I want to know if I'm just this off. I want to know. What here, here is the thing that, uh, the whole purpose of this talk today. I have just been watching and it is something that I'm noticing more and more as I've, as I feel like God is saying, I want you to just be aware of this. I want you to watch how this spirit is working. Is that how many, how many of you have heard the term groomed? That, uh, that's a, that's a term that I think in my lifetime is probably more, uh, uh, present now than I've ever heard. And it was, uh, primarily is being used in the context of grooming children and sexual predators grooming children to become victims. They're being groomed to be powerless, to be brainwashed, to come under the power of another person in order to take advantage of them. Grooming. We, as a culture, are being groomed. And we are being groomed daily to not trust. There are messages that are being sent to us, and there are things that are happening in our culture that the spirit of this world is twisting and weaving to present to us a certain way that tells us that we cannot trust. The very first is we cannot trust our parents. And I remember when our kids were little that there were a lot of TV shows that we did not allow them to watch, not because they had, you know, uh, graphic content or anything like that. It was because the storyline in these programs were that by the children rebelling against what their parents had told them to do, they became the heroes in the story. Very, very subliminal. But the parents would tell them, go to bed. This is just like, you know, I mean, I can remember the cartoon specifically. The parents would tuck the kids in. They would leave the room and the kids would sneak out the window and go and be the heroes and save the day because the parents were not smart enough to know what really needed to be done. That's sending a message to our kids that you can't trust the words of your mom and dad because what you think and what you feel is actually better. So our children are being conditioned to not trust their parents. Very subliminal. Uh, this has been happening for quite some time is that you cannot trust women. You cannot trust a man to lead your household because they're stupid. 
that message is being sent through every TV show on television. I want to challenge you right now, and I want to ask you to think of one television show, one program on TV where the man is actually presented as being intelligent, that he is a good leader, that he parents his children well, and that he is a honorable spouse, a man that leads with strength in his home. They're all stupid. Their children and their wives all know better. That's typically the strongest message is that the wife knows way better and praise God that he has a wife. Otherwise, he would walk out of the house with his pants on backwards every day because he's stupid. You can't trust a man. Women, that's the message that's being sent to us. So it starts when when our kids are really young. It started for us when we were really young. You can't trust your parents. You can't trust teachers. We're hearing more and more publicized about teachers taking advantage of their position of authority with children and abusing that position of authority to influence them and to violate children. So we can't trust teachers. Those are two of the main authorities that have been put into a child's life at a very, very young age. And now we're seeing that you cannot trust the police. That message is being sent really loud. So much so that we're wanting certain areas to completely remove that authority. Yeah. Let's laugh at that. Because you can't trust them. See, and is every police officer good? But that authority has been established and the message to not trust that authority is not about the police. It is about grooming our society to not trust. Because when you don't trust, you don't submit to the authority. Therefore, you don't have authority. And it's not about the police. It's about trusting God. So you can't trust the police. You can't trust the government. You can't trust our governmental officials that have been put into office. You can't trust that. We're seeing more and more stories, and it's hugely publicized anytime a minister or a church leader abuses their position of authority. You can't trust them. There was a huge fallout. I don't know how many of you remember... Uh, the bakers and what was the Ta- Jim and Tammy Faye and what was the network that they had P- P- PTL praise the Lord huge impact huge impact because certain individuals were not submitted to spiritual covering that could come around them and say hey dude <laughs> you're off That had such a major impact on the body of Christ that today Christians still have within them that all the church wants is your money. Where'd that come from? You can't trust them. Where'd that come from? All the way back then. So you can't trust ministers, which means you can't trust church, which ultimately all of this grooming leads us to you can't trust God. That's everything. All of that has nothing to do with the teachers, has nothing to do with the police, has nothing to do with the government. That same spirit is working today to say you can't trust God. So much so that now 
We can't even trust God that he knew how to create us. That your feelings and your emotion have more dictation than the creator. Have we all felt uncomfortable in our skin at times in our life? Oh, geez, come on now. But when we are fed a message and when we begin to believe that there is something internally that I know better than the way the creator created me, we really need to check that message. Where's that message coming from? I'm just the pot. The, the clay pot. All of us here in Colorado, you were like, hey, what pot are you talking about? <laughs> the clay pot. I am the on the potter's wheel. The clay doesn't get to tell the potter how to make it. Because see, there's a destiny, man, y'all, I could just, I could go with this. There is a destiny and there is a specific design and purpose that the scripture is very plain that says to us that God knew you before you were in your mother's womb, that there was a purpose and a plan created for you before you ever took your first breath. And we get to choose, do I trust that plan or is there another message being sent to me somewhere? Trust all comes down to trust and it is a systematic grooming that is taking place in the world today. But here's the deal. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So this, this systematic attack of trust is nothing new. It goes all the way back to the garden. When the serpent came to Eve and said, has God really said, that's all it took. Has God really said? And it caused Eve, the woman, to question God. Because the minute that the serpent came in, and here's the thing, is the serpent doesn't come in and go, get ready for this. Because <laughs> I've been thinking on this one, and I came up with a doozy. Let's just see if you take the bait. Uh. No. That's why it's called deception is because we're deceived and we think that we know nothing new under the sun. When the serpent came to Eve and said, has God really said that same tactic is being used over and over and over and over? Has God really said, has God really said that he'll never leave you or forsake you? Has God really said that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Has God really said that he shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Has God really said that he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you? Has God really said? And sometimes we can think, yeah, God's really said that for everybody but me. Because I know me. Right? I know me better than any of y'all. Because I look at me in the mirror every day. I live with me. I know my thoughts. I know the mistakes that I make. I know the things that I struggle with. I know the areas that the enemy hits me with. I know me. So has God really said, oh, I believe that for you. 
But has God really said for me? That's where we hit the struggle. Has God really said for me? Uh, Thursday night, this past Thursday, we had women's group here. And it's an amazing group. Third Thursday of every month. If you've never been, here's your, here's your invitation. So, uh, at the end of the group, Christy Bouchon got up and she was sharing out of a passage in the New Testament where Jesus has sent his disciples out on a boat and a big storm came up and, and this all happened while Jesus had gone away to be alone to pray. And as this big storm has come up, then Jesus comes walking on the water to the boat and the disciples are freaking out. Number one, because they're in this storm. And when the disciples are freaking out because they're in a storm, these dudes are fishermen. And so if they're freaking out, it's like a for real freak out moment. It's kind of like, like I'm all good as long as Darren is good. But if Darren is like, hey, this is sketchy. Okay, now I am scared. (laughs) Super quick story. We, uh, like... We were our first time in Atlanta and I wanted to go see some of the historic homes in Atlanta. Well, how many of you know that when you map or use Siri for stuff, Siri doesn't really care what neighborhoods she sends you through? So yeah, she don't care. So we ended up down in an area where we should not have been in our little rental car and I'm like, I'm in the passenger seat and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to be here. And I look at Darren and Darren goes, do not look to the right. Do not look to the left. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you just make us invisible. And he starts praying in tongues out loud. Okay. Now I'm scared. Now, I don't care how loud he's praying in tongues. I'm going to pray louder because if he's praying in tongues out loud, that means that we should all be really, really afraid. Like put your helmet on afraid. Okay. So that's where I go whenever he is um, unsettled is the way that I was just unsettled. (laughs) Fishermen on the boat, they were unsettled. Okay. So in Matthew chapter 14 in verse 28, it says this. So Jesus is coming to him on the water and Peter calls out to him and he says to him, Peter answered him, Jesus, and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. And Jesus responded, come. Now this word, this is where Christy focused in. This word come here in the Greek is means to go, to enter, and to grow. Say that. Go, enter, grow. Come. When he said come, that's what Jesus said to him. Enter. Come on. Christy said that she had heard another minister say this, is that when Peter walked to Jesus, he didn't actually walk on the water, that he walked on that word, come. When she said that, like out loud, I went, oh, 
That was so good. That was revelation to me. Now, I don't know if I heard anything else that she said, because the minute that she said that, I instantly, this whole download started happening. And I was like, God, this is so good. So I hope that you get as excited about this as I did, because you may not hear anything else that I say. So anyway, (laughs) so when Peter stepped out, he was walking on that word come. He was walking on the word that Jesus spoke because he trusted the word that Jesus declared come. Now, this was not the first time, Chrissy brought this out, this was not the first time that Peter had heard the word, come. The first time that Peter heard that from Jesus was the first time that he heard Jesus speak when Jesus said to him and his brother, come and follow me. So when Jesus said, come and follow me, that word come in the Greek has the connotation of an urgent calling. It, it, when you look it up in the Greek, it actually has an exclamation mark behind it. It means like right now, we're not messing around. Like do it right now. Drop everything. Come. So when Jesus spoke that word to Peter, when he said, come that calling that urgent Peter dropped everything and he trusted the word that Jesus spoke to come. So. He left, the Bible says that he left everything. How much is everything? All. He left all when Jesus said, come. Now, when he left all, he had, he, he didn't have no plan B. There was no plan B. It wasn't like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll try this God thing. We'll go to this church. And if we don't like it, well, then we'll go to that church. And if we don't like it, we'll just stay home and have donuts right? We'll just stay home and eat waffles. There was no thing with Peter. Peter was all in. Where have we heard that? When Peter answered, come and follow me, it would give him the authority because he had come under the call to come with all Because he said yes to trust the come to me, it gave him the authority to call out to Jesus to say, bid me to come to you. If Peter had not responded with his whole heart in trust to the come and follow me, he would have never had the authority To call out to Jesus on the water and say, bid me to come to you. Now, because Peter had submitted to the authority of Jesus and trusted, it gave him the full permission to step out of the boat to come to Jesus, to step into the experience of growing with Jesus in that moment. Where, where are we holding back when Jesus is saying, come to me? 
And because we're holding back and not trusting, because we're being conditioned and groomed to not trust. So where are we holding back and not trusting in the simple invitation to come to me? That now we're being hindered in our ability to ask for those big things. The miracles. The signs and the wonders. God, do the impossible. God, do the impossible for me. Bid me to come to you on the water. But when you have said yes with your whole heart, Mm -hmm. when he says, come follow me, you trust him. Yeah, I trust him that when I die, I'm not going to burn in hell. But I don't really trust him with my finances. Yeah, I trust him that, you know, this whole you know, salvation thing. But I really, it is hard for me to trust him with my future. Like, does God know how much I don't want to be alone? All my single friends. Does God know how much I desire to have a spouse? All my single friends. Does God really, can I trust him with my future? Or should I just settle for the next best thing that comes along? Uh, no, 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 no. Cause you're going to be waking up next to that for the rest of your life. Do not settle on that one, okay? <laughs> You're going to be sitting across the table for that the rest of your life. Not a place to settle. Chance and Gina are leading an amazing couples group. If you have any question on that, right there. We say that we trust him, and we say yes, but God is saying, I want you to trust me in everything. Everything. When it says Trust him with all your heart. That means everything that concerns you, everything in your life, every area of your life, your children, how you raise your children, your finances, your home, your future, all of it. What, I mean, what else? And, and, and we trust him more than what we're being fed continually by the culture, by that box in our living room, or by the box in our hand. You know, God is bigger than that little screen. Amen. Those words on that screen can seem so big, but God is bigger. Amen. Trust him. This is a thing when Darren went in for surgery. It was in, in this, I say this because this was, this was an interesting experience for me. When Darren went in, uh, what was that, October for your brain surgery? September for his brain surgery. I, I like, I wanted to be sure God understood. This is my husband's brain. I like him like he is. I want him back that way. And I literally had to separate myself and put myself in a place because I had to stay in position, meaning I had to stay in a place where I could be still so that my mind and my thoughts did not wander off on different things 
different possibilities, different projections of what the future could be, uh, feelings, thoughts, emotions of what it could look like. And here, I'm just going to say it where the devil takes you. Am I going to have to push him around in a wheelchair and come and visit him in a hospital bed? Or is he not going to be here at all? Just being honest. I had to stay in this place and out loud, I would have to say to myself, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. And whenever those things would start coming up in those, you know, you know, you can see the movie of it. You can see the little images of what could this look like? I trust you, God. I would have to tell myself, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. And I would say it out loud until those would quiet. And then I could see the visions of my husband and not tremoring anymore. And I could see the vision of the miracle. I could see the vision of the breakthrough. And I could ask, Jesus, bid me to come to you on the water because I have trusted you. And I answered when you said, come to me. Now I'm asking you for a big thing. I am asking you to heal and deliver my husband from a disease that the medical community says that there is no cure for and that it is an impossibility. I am asking you for an impossibility. How many of you have a situation in an area in your life where you need God to do an impossibility for you? If you have an area of impossibility, you need to answer yes when he says, come and follow me. That area of impossibility submits when you answer with your whole heart. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. I'm not holding an area back. Well, I'm going to hold this little area of pornography because that's what comforts me. I'm going to hold this little area of of uh, gambling because that's what makes me feel better. It's an escape. I'm going to hold this little area of cussing because I just can't get control of it. I'm going to withhold this little area of food because that's what makes me feel better. I'm going to withhold this area of getting to blow up and flip people off when I want to because I just can't control that finger. I'm not, y'all are just all like looking at me like super religious Baptists right now. I might be in the wrong church. This is real life. We all, we all come to church with our biggest freaking Bible and stickers all over our car. Oh, I trust him. I trust him. Uh, You're the first one slipping people off. That's Darren has said. That's why I don't put Christian stickers on my truck because I'm not there yet. No joke. Ride with him through Denver. I will tell him. I'm like, babe, you need to calm down. Pretty sure that doesn't help in the moment, but, you know. I'm pretty sure he's like, woman, get thee behind me, you know. When God says, come and follow me, he wants all of it. So I just want you to ask yourself right now. No, 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 not ask yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, am I holding back? Am I holding out? Right now, just put your hand on your belly right now. Holy Spirit, am I holding out? And boom, what comes first? First thing. Okay, we're going to, we're going to do it again. And I'm, I'm like for real, for reals. Do it with me. Put your hand on your belly. That was an invitation. I'm not being bossy. I wasn't mean to be bossy. Like, like Darren, calm down. Just put your hand on your belly and just settle in right now. Just close your eyes so you're not looking at the person in front of you like, oh my gosh, that's the cutest shirt. Where did she get that? That's why I sit in the front row. 
Holy Spirit, am I holding out on you? Now, don't put too much thought into it. That first thing, boom, first thing that came up, start there. Start there. And if you you didn't hear anything and nothing came, you're like, well, I'm perfect then. <laughs> no. I mean, you just need to, like, listen more. No, I'm not. I didn't mean it like... <laughs> Maybe, maybe you just need to like be still a little bit more. It's good to ask. It's good to ask daily. God, am I holding out on you anywhere? Like, is there, is there a weight that I'm carrying stress and anxiety? If there's stress and anxiety and worry, if you have sleeplessness, if there's stuff like that going on, there's something you're holding out on. And he's saying, trust me with it. Trust me with it. Come follow me. Then you can say, Jesus bid me to come to you on the water. You can pray those big prayers. Because here's what it says to us. I love this. In John chapter 14, this is out of the Passion Translation. It says, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing, which means trusting, in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the son will show what the father is really like and bring him glory. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. That word in, in the Greek, literally means under. Ask anything under my name. Ask me anything when you have submitted to me, when you have answered with full trusting with your whole heart and come to follow me, when you've answered that with your whole heart, ask me anything under that name and I'll do it for you. The problem is a lot of times we're asking for stuff that can be done under our own power. God, help me, help me to do this or help me to do that. And we're not asking God bid me to come to you on the water. We need to be praying water walking prayers. We need to be praying big prayers. There's a testimony of a couple in this church that was sitting right over here and heard the Lord say to them, pray big prayers. She had been diagnosed with cancer in her stomach. They prayed a big prayer and said, God, turn that cancer into a baby. God turned the cancer into a baby. And they've got that baby running around now. Who, who thinks to do that? God turned the cancer into a baby. Oh, they did. God bid me to come to you. And he did. Big prayers. There are big prayer prayers in this church. We just need to press into it. Come and follow me. Come under me. So that you can ask me. Bid me to walk on the water. And my answer to you will be yes. This is my last scripture. I like this one. Well, I like all of them. You ever do that? Oh, this is my favorite. Yeah, because I don't really like the other one. Yeah, this is this is for real good. <laughs> Message translation. In Matthew chapter 16, I like this. And uh, yeah, just what I was talking about. So Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> 
Then Jesus made it clear to his disciples that it was now necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, submit to an ordeal of suffering at the hands of the religious leaders, be killed, and then on the third day be raised up alive. And Peter took him in hand and protesting, impossible, master, that can never be. But Jesus didn't swerve. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. (laughs) You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Look at your neighbor and say, I am. (laughs) You're not in the driver's seat. I am. I lost my place there. Uh, come to me in driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. We are a culture who loves comfort. Are we not? If it's a little bit uncomfortable or you can't get it in the drive-thru or 30 seconds in the microwave. Uh, well, God is just not working today. Along with trusting comes patience. That's a whole nother message. We'll tackle that another day. He says, follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? He's saying to us, trust me with your whole heart. With all of it. Trust me with your future. Trust me with your past. Trust me. God will take all of it. Because here's the thing that I've learned. Is God wastes nothing. No matter what it is. God wastes nothing. Trust him with all your heart. So I want to just let's get this. My spiritual father, Glenn Smith, anytime anybody would think that they were, they would come to him and they, well, I think I'm called to the ministry. First thing he would do is try and talk him out of it. And I remember sitting at a table with him at a minister's conference and people would, I mean, people would just flock to get two minutes with them. And we were sitting at the table with them and this Young man comes over. Man, he was just all full of, woo, lots of excitement. And he just pushed his way right into conversation and just had to get up in front of Glenn and tell Glenn how called he was to the ministry. And I remember in a matter of five minutes, that man walked away from the table like a whipped pup with his tail between his legs, not called to the ministry anymore. (gasps) And I thought Glenn was being so mean. When he left and got out of earshot, I asked him, Papa, how come you would do that to him? You completely crushed him. And he looked at me and just as straight and serious as he ever said anything, he looked at me and he said, if I could talk him out of that at this table, sitting here in this hotel in five minutes, he doesn't have what it takes to be a minister because all he'll do is get out there and muddy up the water for people like you and me who are serious about this thing. Okay. 
I thought he was being mean. But what he was doing is he was sifting. And he was seeing that that man's heart, he hadn't fully answered, come to me. But he wanted to jump out and walk on the water. And if you haven't come to him first, you're going to sink to the bottom. So here's what I want to do right now. Is we just need to take a moment to settle it. That's what Glenn would say. Settle it. You got to settle it. That you are trusting God with all of your heart. Not holding anything back. Not reserving any part of your life. That means your life. Your heart. Your life. You're saying, I trust you, God. I trust you with all of it. I trust you, number one, with my eternity. And I say yes. I say yes. I will come and follow you. When you're sitting in churches and they say, everybody close your eyes and bow your head and nobody looking around. Well, you know what? That's not life. And I'm not really sure why we do that. Because out there, nobody else is going to give you that kind of comfort zone. And if you're not willing to make that stand in here, you're sure as heck not going to be able to do it out there. So here's what I want to say to you. If you are settling that with God this morning and you are saying, whether you've done it before or whether this is your very first time saying it to God, that you are saying, yes, I am trusting God with my whole heart. I am trusting him, number one, with my eternity, because today I am saying that I trust that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he was crucified on the cross for me, and that on the third day he was resurrected. And because of that resurrection, I now have an open door into the father's lap, and I am called by God to be seated with him in the heavenly places. And I am a child of God. I say yes when he says to come. That's first and foremost, that you settle that. And then when you settle that, you say, because of that, I'm following you. And I trust you with every area of my life. That includes my time, my finances, my fears, my worries, my successes, my victories. I trust you with all of it. So if today you are saying, God, I settle it with you. And when you said to come, I am saying yes to you, whether it's your first time or whether you're confirming that I want you right now to shoot your hand up, stand up, whatever it is, because you need that confirmation. So if that's you and you're just saying, yes, Lord, I say yes to you with my whole heart. When you say, come to me on the water, I'm saying yes. So just stick your hand up. This is between you and God. It's your confirmation today. Not only is that your confirmation, that's the confirmation to every spirit and every voice of hell that wants to come against you and tell you you're not enough. You're never going to make it. It's not going to get any better. You're not good enough. You're still dirty. We don't want you. That is in spite of all of that. And when you put your hand up or you stand, you're saying, you know what? I am. In Jesus' name. Now give somebody around you a high five that's doing the same thing as you. And here's what I'm going to say. Next Sunday, we are doing water baptisms right after church. And whether you've ever been water baptized or not, that is your statement. It's not just getting wet. It is a prophetic declaration saying, 
I said yes to God to come and follow him. And as I am dunked down into the water, it is prophetic. It is speaking to the future that when you come up out of that water, that you are walking in the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what baptism is about. That you're not walking in what you can do. You're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells on the inside of you. And you can get baptized as many times as you want to. If you didn't get wet enough, you could get wetter, right? (laughs) 